Welcome to Winning the Inner Game. This is Colton Lindsay. Let's bring Benson on. First off, I want to let you guys know this is sponsored by Fearless Agent and Mojo Dialing System. If you're not using any of those, you should check it out. How would you like to grow your business exponentially? How would you like to be able to leverage your business more and do 30, 40 transactions a month? And that would be something we all want to get to. I'm your host, Colton Lindsay, with the Winning Series Interviews. You can check it out every Friday at 11 a.m. Mountain, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So let's go ahead and get right into this. And first of all, I want to thank you viewers for being on the show. Because of you, we're able to keep doing these. Spring, I want to introduce you, and I want you to take maybe 60 to 90 seconds to give us like a synopsis of how you got to where you're at in business today. I know that's not much time, but let's see it. So um, I started my real estate career probably 12 years ago. Um, I started out working for, I was 22, working for a developer in a resort second home community. And they didn't want to hire me. They were like, you are too young to relate to our clients. And so I said, you know, I'll work for free. Um, just give me the opportunity. And so I worked for free. And then I eventually, within a month, I moved up to making 10% of any transaction and then still within six months I was uh, a partner and I did that for quite a while I eventually uh, moved up to being a broker for that developer and then when the economy shifted the um, market shifted and so we needed to make some changes and so I reevaluated it and said you know I think it's time for a new adventure I was a little bit stale probably and bored and that's when I made the transition to go to Keller Williams only because they had this of, hey, you can go from being an agent to an entrepreneur and having it be a business. And so I made that switch in 2010. And now we have a real estate team that's growing. Our goal is in the next five years to get to a thousand transactions throughout Utah through doing the expansion model that KW is um, teaching. Awesome. So that's in a nutshell. So you started in the business at 22. That's when you got licensed. Yeah. Why real estate? What were you doing before 22 that said, hey, I'm going to be in real estate? You know, it's kind of a fluke, to be quite frank with you. I um, was going to get my license to uh, purchase some rental properties for our my family. And um, I had moved. So I, was, I did hair prior. And so I was going to have to rebuild my clientele. Um, and I was like, I'm not driving an hour to cut somebody's hair. And um, an opportunity opened up at the resort. And I, so I applied. And like I said, everybody liked me, but I was just young and they were hesitant. So that's how it started. And then from there, it just took off and I never looked back. Yeah, that's super awesome. So I, I'm interested. I know we went to an event, like, I don't even know what it was at that hotel. Remember Hotel Monaco? I think that's one of the first times I really kind of met you. What What was it like with your family life growing up and, and kind of their mindset with entrepreneur and, and money and, and all of that? Well, I was raised with uh, very successful parents. And so um, my mom owned a company that she worked out of our home, but she she was successful, um, and same with my parent, my father, same thing. So I was always taught you can do anything that you put your mind to um, and create anything that you want. It's just what decide what that avenue is and go for it. So how has that empowered you in your business this far? You know, I mean, I just believe that I can do anything. I guess seeing it happen and seeing that everybody else is success and partially that and then surrounding myself with people that are making it happen every day is a huge part of where I get it from. I, I always try to hang out with people that are better. You know, I call it leveling up, people that are succeeding at a higher level than I am. So, when And there's always someone that's definitely at a higher level, right? So it's like, is, have you noticed that, especially in this business? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And not even in this business, but just in life in general, you know? Like, it's same within your marriage or anything. Like, hang out with people that are rocking it, you know? Take advice from them and see how they're doing it and things like that. So, so 22, you got in the business. What year was that? 2000. Oh, that's, you're going to give my age away. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I'm 34, so whatever that is, 2003, I think. So 2003, and that's about, I don't really remember because actually I was in Brazil at that time. So what was the market like in 2003? I don't even know. 
you know, it was fine. I mean, I think it was just stable and I mean, we, we did well. I don't, the economy obviously started taking off in like 05, 06, 07. And the structure that I was on is I worked with um, four developers. So you got the listings and I had a partner and then we had an assistant. And in the boom years, I mean, we were selling 200 to 250 homes a year, her and I, with an assistant. But our the systems, processes, marketing, everything was so dialed in that it was simple, you know? And so I think that that made me see the big picture of where you can take your resale business as well. If as you can build. So 2005 was when it really started going off with new construction for you guys? Absolutely, yeah. And what, you were what, 24, 25 at that time? Yeah. So from, from 2005 to 2008, what did the dynamics of your business look like? Well, I mean, we, I worked all the time. But again, it was just her and I, and then we had a transaction coordinator and, um, you know, it was a resort second home market. So it was your, you catered to their schedule when they were in town for their vacation. Um, you worked a little bit later, um, just cause most people wanted to meet after they got done skiing or golfing or whatever it may be, you know? Um, but I, we, we stuck to a schedule and then we still prospected, but we prospected obviously in a different way. You know, it's not the picking up the phone in FISBO or expired, but you're um, prospecting to people who've inquired online or inquired that you met that the average um, at that time, the average transaction was taking three to five years, meaning you met somebody and they thought about it. They came in on their vacation, they had a kick-ass time skiing, and then they were like, oh, this would be cool. And then they'd come back the next year and then they'd come back the next year. So we had to, you had to nurture those people for years before they'd actually end up purchasing. So it was all about building your pipeline and just plugging away every day. So how, how is the dynamics? Is your model just 180 degrees different than 2005 and eight today? Oh yeah, completely different. I mean, the, the thing that, the benefit that it taught me was work, like treat it like a job. You show up, like I showed up every day and treated it like a job, which a lot of agents just don't, right? So I had a set schedule and then just knowing that you have to follow up. Um, but yeah, when I made the shift in 2010, the resort itself had filed bankruptcy and the market was just non-existent, you know, and I was traveling a lot for real estate and um, meeting people outside of my bubble that were killing it and just had these great businesses. And I'm like, I can do this. Like, I can make this happen. So that's why I made the shift, but it, I had to completely shift my whole business, everything. That's why I love on these interviews. So, uh, cause I've been in the business 10 years now, but I've had a license. I shouldn't say I've been in the business. I've been licensed for 10 years. Right. And I've seen from when the market was hot to when the market was crashed and the market was just dead to right. when the market's been good again. Right. right. And every top producer that I've seen spring has one thing in common. They've had to figure out where the market was going next and get there. Have you, is that part of what you've done over the last 10 years? Oh, absolutely. Like I always say that I don't care what type of market when I talk, talk to my team, cause they obviously we're at the end of a seven year cycle right now. Right. I'm mean, not saying that that's what's going to happen, but the market's going to shift. And I keep on telling them, great, we shift with it. This is actually our opportunity to, rise above and make it happen. So it doesn't really matter to me what type of market it is. You just have to shift with it. So this is off topic, but uh, 12 to 18 months, what's your prediction with the market? You know, I don't really know. Um, and the only reason, I mean, I know there's going to be a shift. I just don't know what it's going to be. I mean, if you look at it and trends are always usually about the same, obviously their interest rates are supposed to go up. They're saying supply, the only thing that they're saying that's going to be different is that this time when the market went down, building pretty much stopped. So they're actually saying that it might not be as bad because of the, um, the lack of inventory that was put into the market when everything changed. So I generally don't know, but I don't know if it's going to be an interest rate thing. I don't know if it's going to be a lack of supply. Who knows? But when, when that happens, I mean, I look at it and think, Great. Maybe some of these people who just got their license to sell to, sell to their mom will eliminate themselves, you know, and 
it'll be a fun shift, whatever happens. So. Well, that's one thing that I, I, if you, I watched Facebook and social media and you see like these agents that have Hollis Sun came out of the woodworks and like everyone's selling a lot of houses, right? Right. And to me, that's like an indicator, like, okay, keep taking advantage of this market, but how are you managing your finances? Right. How, what are you, so that would be a good question. What are you doing to make sure that if, when it does shift, you can make that rollover? You know, so we, um, we pay a bookkeeper that specializes in the MREA model, um, that does our profit and losses and looks at our everything every month and we do um we analyze it so my expenses are a hundred percent in line with what the model is um and then we i know that there's, there's gonna be a shift even at mega camp gary keller said you guys get your finances and everything in order there's going to be a shift so everything i feel like in our personal business like we can transition and get rid of if we need to or make the shift of moving money where we need to be at so I think being aware of that and also making sure financially, even our personal finances are in line to where, I mean, I obviously need to work and love it, but it's not crucial that we're selling a thousand houses, you know? Um, So I think it's just being smart and knowing that it is going to shift and living within a means. Like personally, like the way I pay myself is regardless of how much money the team brings in, I pay myself a salary. So even if we're killing it and have a crazy month, I don't take any additional funds. Um, so that money is just there. And so for in order to do that, you've got to be able to educate. You're talking about the MREA model, right? You're taking the time to educate yourself on, on how to become an expert on that. So what are some of the things you do to regularly educate yourself? Well, I mean, I'm constantly trying and, and paying attention to everything like um, – I'm always taking classes and my team's always taking classes. So, I mean, I just went to mega camp. Um, and my whole team is going to bold in two weeks, which uh, there's part of me that I've been to bold so many times. I don't know that it's my, my personal thing, but I think as my whole team going, then it's, it'll be great. You know, um, I'm going to agent expansions. Um, I went to, I'm constantly going to things. I have an, an Anthony Robbins I'm going to the next month. Um, oh, are you going in October? Yep. yep. Nice. Me too. Yeah. I'll be there. Uh, yeah. There's a huge group of us going from, from Utah. Oh, who else is going? I didn't know anyone else was going. Yeah. So um, my lender partner, Mike uh, Roberts and his wife, Toby, and then uh, Matt Sneed from the Move Group. Um, they do more of like, they're kind of like a city home collective. Um, there's just a big group of us. I think Brett and Julie might going i'm not quite sure but awesome yeah i'm meeting my mastermind partners there um so it's gonna be super fun yeah, yeah that was i did an interview you know who kevin ward is have you ever met kevin ward kevin. he's he's a keller williams agent in hermosa beach and um he has a real estate training and coaching company called yes masters and he's t- always talking about how to invest in yourself, in your education, not only on a personal development side, but uh, I mean a business development side, but a personal development side. Right. So that's that's powerful. So I want to kind of rewind here. You're talking, you mentioned uh, you always treated business like a job. You right. schedule, you have a schedule. What does your schedule look like now and how do you stay disciplined? And how do you also, sorry, I'm asking a few questions, but how do you leadership that into your team and to your staff members? So um, for my team, my entire team has to show up by 9 a.m. Regardless, buyers, agents, everybody. And then we do a a huddle in the morning. So going over numbers, um, what they have going on, what they did the prior day, and then what we have going on. And a little bit of script and role play. And then they're required to be there for a certain amount of time um, as agents in the office prospecting and doing their lead follow-up and then until noon. And then afternoon, hopefully they're out with clients. Same with my admin. The admin is on salary, but they have their set hours. And um, and we have their KPIs or key performance tracking. And um, so I generally am there by nine. I mean, obviously there's some days, like I'm in San Diego right now or whatnot. But, um, and I try to do my personal schedule. I try to do a 90-60. So 90 minutes of like non-interrupted get shit done, you know, and then 60 of follow-up of whatever, and then 90 minutes, and then 60. And that seems to work for me. So 9 o'clock, you do your huddle with your team. How long does that last? 
you know, so um, 15 minutes. We just do a recap of, hey, what's going on? What, what do I need to deal with? What buyers are there today? What, what were your successes? And then my lead buyer specialist meets with the buyer's agents and, um, at that time. And theirs might go until 9.30 with some script and role play practice and objections and what do they have going that they might need assistance with. So then 9.30 pops around and that's when everyone's expected to start doing their 90-60, get shit done and follow up after. Is that right? Yeah. So what, what happens in that 90, what does the get shit done time that 90 minutes look like? So that's from 9.30 to 11. What happens right. in that? So for, for me, it's just um, I follow up with clients, do, some, do my prospecting, whatnot. For them, same thing. I, they follow up with their, um, their clients and then, well, actually they lead generate and then they follow up with their clients. Um, I really, for the buyer's agents, I just want them in there so I can have, have the team buzz and vibe and whatnot. And also, um, I want that. I found in the past when I've been more relaxed about letting a buyer's agent or whatever have their own schedule or whatnot, it, they just didn't perform. They just didn't have that accountability as much. And I, and I look at it, too, and I see the amount of money a lot of these agents are making, and I'm like, you have to treat it like a real job like to make this amount of money and think that you basically if you, I was looking at like you're working like 20 hours a week and just relaxing about if you worked 40 how great you would be you know so just trying to teach them that little bit of structure that if they want to take it to the next level that there's got to be more than it just being relaxed oh I sell real estate like I don't want a team of generalists I want them to be specialists and I want them to be master master their scripts and know it you know so part of that then is identifying someone that that wants to take it to a next level right because some people are okay doing what 20 hours a week making yeah. 50 grand a year absolutely and and i think knowing that going into it but everybody that i've personally hired have said they wanted more right so that is one thing that i've learned um because i've had a lot of i call them failing forwards i've had a lot of those lately um, that not everybody wants the same thing that I want, you know, so understanding what their, what drives them and what their comfort levels are and helping them get to where they want to be is part of that as well. So it's just understanding, okay, here's the team vision. Here's the, the spring vision, right. but then each one of these individuals have their vision, their goals, their drives, and you understanding them right. and helping them get to that. Is that right? Yeah. So their visions build up to yours. Yeah, and, and I think knowing that, then I can hire around it. Like, I mean, I have one agent that wants to be a ski bum in the winter, and she works in that resort market, and she's like, Spring, I want to sell 30 homes a year. I know that. So that expectation is great, and I give her the lead flow that helps support to that, and then I hire somebody else to um, make up for the difference, you know. Awesome. So back to the 9 to uh, 10.30, or 9.30 to 11. Sorry, my fault. You're calling active customers or you're calling new customers or so everybody has different people that they're calling, but we do a lot of lead generation. So they're following up on the lead generation that's come in and or then so we track we track first time calls and um I mean first time and then follow up. Okay. Have you would you say that today's real estate has shifted from a decade ago and that you almost need as to put as much time and importance in a follow-up as you do just the initial call? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we are seeing that we're having to call people five to 12 times before we even get a response sometimes. And, I mean, it's definitely one of those things that I tell them, who cares what they think of you? Like, it doesn't matter if they think that you're annoying. It doesn't matter what not. And when they actually end up buying a house, you know, um, then you'll feel great about it. It's kind of like, the, you know, when you walk into a store – and the lady asks you if you need help, and you're like, no, I'm good, you know? And then you need something five minutes later, and you're like, hey, can you grab that off the rack for me? You know, it's the same right now it feels like on a lot of these buyer leads that it's who's available when they're ready. And so you have to be that person who's constantly following up when they raise their hand and say, hey, we're ready to purchase, you know? Well, and the the dynamics of following up from 2005 to 2015, I mean, we didn't have MailChimp. We didn't have Infusionsoft. We didn't have text message like we do. We didn't have Mojo dialing system. Right. 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 So are, are you incorporating all of those tools or what tools do you incorporate in that? 
Yep, we have um, our CRM has text built in. We have a Mojo dialer. We have uh, drip campaigns, e alerts, um, Mailchimp. I mean, we use all of it. What, tell me the CRM that's your text built in. What does that look like? Um, so it just has a texting capability from the back end, so we can send the text from the computer. Okay. Um, instead of it being on our phones, and then it and it logs it, um, so we can see the. That's the thing is we have a really high accountability. Um, I can see it's a Boomtown platform. We can see when um, they make the calls. Um, when they send the text messages, what emails have gone out, what drips, all of that stuff. Have you seen what Mojo is working on right now? I have a Mojo dialer, but no, I haven't. So you, so you have like the you have the the web based one. They're working on Mojo. I'm real good friends with David England. He's the the VP of sales for Mojo, and they're working on what's called Mojo 2.0, where you can text directly from Mojo. You can print. Basically, they're like trying to turn it into kind of like a top producer with a dialing system, yeah. which is going to be phenomenal they've got yeah. the email systems from it they're working out bugs on that it's it's seriously an amazing platform so we're seeing we get more response actually from the text messages right now um just because it's uninvasive and especially if it's a female we're getting more of the females responding to the text messages really maybe i need to evolve because i'm just like calling 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 until someone answers <laughs> Like it's just easier. I can just put my headset on, kick back, and just some of my answers I can, oh, shit, I got to talk. <laughs> so um, what type of leads are you calling in that time frame? Where are they coming from? Are they website, boomtown leads? Are they FISBOs, expireds? It just depends on who, what agent on my team. So, yeah, some have website leads. Some are calling FISBO, expired. Um, not expired. We're doing FISBOs right now. I generally am usually calling personally clients and past clients, Um Everybody has their different lead flow, you know, of who they're following up with. So with, with that, do you assign, hey, Agent A, you're going to call the Boomtown leads. Agent B, you're going to do the FISBOs. How do you decide that? No. So like my buyer leads, they get new leads every day, right? So they're doing mostly follow-up. And then what we have is a hopper account. If they are – so every lead goes through um, – a 21 days of gain through our inside sales department. Once that 21 days is over, and if it we haven't had conversation with them or know where they're at, or they haven't been transferred over to um, an agent, um, then we put it into what I call the hopper. And the hopper has um, thousands of names in it of people that have expressed that they want to purchase real estate. And so that's what they're calling if they don't have people they need to follow up with. So your your hopper, how are you marketing them? Just phone calls and emails, or do you guys direct mail? Um, our hopper account, we're just doing all. We're not doing any direct mail. We the only people who get direct mail from us are um, hot um, people that we're actively working with, and then our uh, past clients. Okay, past clients and SOI SOI gets them too. Uh -huh, yeah. So past clients, and then your. Um, Who's the other one that you said? Hot clients, just people that are kind of like on the the, bur the burner right there. Yeah. How many? What's your touch system with that Hopper list, that Hopper group? Well, the Hopper is in, is automatically on an e alert that is daily of properties that match their criteria. And oh, then okay. I, and then I have them on a twenty four month drip campaign, an email drip campaign. And it, obviously, it starts out heavier when they. Um, initially come into the system and then it spreads out over time and some of them are video um, messages some of them look like we sent them from our iPhones like hey just checking are you still interested some of them um, are just plain text emails it just depends but for 24 months it's on an automatic drip of those 24 drips are they email and text messages that they're getting or just emails just emails our CRM doesn't have the capability to mass send text so what's your open rate with these people? You, how many do you have in the hopper right now? Um, we probably have, last I looked, we probably have about 5,000 people in there. Of those 5,000, what's the open rate that you're getting? Of, of the emails? I can't, it doesn't track it. It doesn't track like, hey, they looked at your email, but it does track who's on the website. So the goal is to put it back on and you can see like, hey, they've actively been on the website in the last day. Like find, okay. out, find out or, hey, this person's been on the website for the last 
week, what's their story, you know? So when they log into the hopper, they're obviously hitting the people that have been active on the site. And then they're just basically picking up the phone, loading them into the dialer and calling them like, hey, are you still interested in property, you know? Awesome. Okay, so switching back gears, now it's 11 o'clock, you're doing follow-ups. What, what does follow-up look like? Is that like following up with admin? Is that following up with, what, what are you talking about with follow-up? So, I mean, everybody has different um, schedules. So my personal schedule, so I go in and like from 9 to whatever, to uh, 9.30 to 11. I basically log in, I usually have a ton of people and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to call. So I have my list of who I need to follow up with, for, you know. Then that's as much as I can do before my brain's like, you know. And so then I get up, go meet with my admin team. Do you need anything? Yeah, we have these questions. Great. Well, during that time is also like, hey, I need to meet with a client. So when I say 90 minutes, 90 minutes to me is like, this is how, where I'm going to make my money, right? The 60 minutes is like the, the stuff you have to do to make your money, like meet with clients, deal with your admin staff, whatever needs to happen, and then you go back into your 90 minutes. Session, so. Okay. Awesome. So then noon, twelve thirty, how long do you normally take a lunch for? What does your midday look like? So I don't really like to take a lunch personally. Like I um I bring my lunch to the office. I have them pre made. Um it just I just like to, if I'm gonna be at work I wanna just stay there. Or Jimmy Johns is a really good friend of mine at this point. But um, but yeah, I just don't, so I just take a lunch and hammer through and it's just partially because I still, I have kids, I have young kids that have stuff going on all the time. Like I really, like if I'm going to be there and work, I want to make it happen and not go waste an hour getting some food, you know? Yeah. So that, and that's one of the key things that I've learned from a lot of top producers is they always bring their lunch, right? One of the, one of the things that I've, the, I always bring my lunch or I subway, I go to subway versus Jimmy John's, but, um, it's cause it's eat fresh. Right. So, uh, I always go to the gym at one o'clock every day. Cause that's like, it gives me this breakup between like getting my head swamped in the morning to, okay, let's get clear for the afternoon sort of thing. Sweet, yeah. Afternoon, is that when you say for appointments and meeting with customers and clients? Yeah, pretty much. So afternoon is really my um, have it open for clients, whatever needs to happen. Um, and like I said, I have I still am a mom, so I've got young kids. So come 4.35, I'm usually outdoor. But afternoon is just basically, I know in the morning I've done my lead generation and lead follow-up, and then the afternoon is whatever the day brings to you. Okay. So 4.30, when you say you're out the door, you're going home, you're done working for the day. Yeah. 4.30 or 5. Sometimes I'll, it depends on just everybody's schedules. Um, sometimes I'll go to the gym at that time. Like I do like to work out at least for minimum, usually five times a week. So sometimes I'll hit a Pilates class on my way home so I can decompress and not be a complete brat when I get home, you know, or a zombie. Um, or if I have kids stuff I need to get home for, then I'll get home and then work out later. So once you get home, it's it's family time. Are you shutting your phone off? Are you shutting everything off? Or how do you deal with that? You know, I try. Yeah. I mean, I generally, like, I'll leave my phone for a couple hours and maybe check on it. Um, and I, I really have gotten to the point where I mean, we're not a brain surgeon. Nobody's going to die if I don't reply to them then. Or, you know, Dill's not going to die if I get something at seven o'clock and it has to wait till the morning. So yeah, I, I try to turn it off only because I feel like I deserve that time. And so does my family, you know, how do you set that expectation with your customers? Um, I think, well, people accept what they, I mean, people ex accept what they expect. So meaning like if you tell them from the very beginning, then it's just how it is. You know, I think that when you don't, let them um, aware of what your standards or what you expect, then they don't know, you know? So I think you just set that from the very beginning. Hey, and I, people are generally very respectful. I mean, I know that you, same thing, after seven o'clock, you're done, right? Your voicemail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, if you tell people that, then they know, you know? And, and so people are generally pretty respectful about it. Do you prep them when you meet with them at an appointment? Is there a welcome email that says, hey, here's my hours? Is it just your voice? I know your voicemail says something along those lines. How do you, how do you educate them, set that expectation? 
Well, I, in, in our appointments, for sure, you know. And then I also, um, I think I deal with a lot of sellers who genuinely aren't reaching out. Like, they're, my personal is sellers. I don't really deal with buyers, you know. So they're not really reaching out to me past 7 o'clock, you know. Um, and if they are, then I just respond back with, hey, I'm not quite sure how I'll get back with you in the morning, you know. Or, hey, if I'm speaking to them at 5 o'clock, I'll touch base with you in the morning about this, you know, if I know I'm not going to have an answer by that time. People are generally great about it. I mean, obviously, there's those few that you make the exception. I'm sure you have, too, that you're like, oh, I got to deal with this fire, you know. Yeah. But 95% of the time, you just let them know, and they're great with it. So it's just creating – it's more just believing that they're going to be okay with it and then just doing it, really. Well, and I mean, you would be okay with it, right? Like, yeah. Like, you hey, uh, let's – let's connect in the morning. Great. Fantastic. You know? So I just think it's all about just assuming and knowing that this is the expectation. And I think people, they want you to have a life, you know, they don't want you to be at their beck and call. I mean, there might be a few, but pretty much the people that you choose to work with don't want that. You know, it's so funny when I started to adapt that mindset, my customers started like apologizing for even talking to me. Do you ever notice that? they all do they're like i'm sorry to bother you i'm sorry to call you so late you know i think the number one um pushback i have on is actually other agents like the oh you're not working past whatever time i'm like it's not my only transaction like if 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 i let this go like i would have no life you know so you just have to set those boundaries well and i i never work saturdays ever like i just it's just i don't do it and there's one agent that was so mad at me and tried to tell me, he's like, that's my biggest money-making day. You have to work Saturdays. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I sell more houses than you, and you work Saturday and Sunday, sucker. Go work on Saturdays. <laughs> so going back, 2014, what was your guys' total volume and units that you hit? So 2014, we sold out of our um, Davis County 142 homes just right under $30 million. I think we're like – Twenty nine five seventy. So one more house would have put us at thirty million. That's what I love about asking a top producer their numbers. They freaking know them, right? It's like, at least for me, it's like I'm addicted to knowing my numbers like every single day. Yeah. What, do you, what do you guys do to track your numbers? I, I know you guys got those boards and stuff. What else are you doing? Yeah, so those boards are just so my team can see their visuals. Um, but we have a whole back-end tracking um, of, with KPIs and um, – spread Google spreadsheets and docs and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, we have it to where if we're on, on goal, um, it's in the green. The, I mean, everything is populated, and if we're not, it's yellow, and if we are doing off goal, it's red, you know. Um, so, and we do a, a weekly wig call, is what we call it, a wild, wildly incredible goal call with our whole team um, Mondays at 1 that's just literally less than 15 minutes. It goes over what we're tracking on them. So, First time on the buyer's team, it's first time um, contacts, follow-ups, buyer presentations, and buyer brokers signed, and then how many if they have scheduled open houses. Hold on one sec. So anyone that's watching, I have opened up the question section. Start. I should have told you this earlier. Start asking questions if you have any, and uh, we'll, we'll start trying to answer those here in a little bit. So 2015, you guys did 30 million, 114 units, 14. What's, what's 15's vision? What, where are you at today and where are you looking to hit? So 2015 has been rough for me. Like, um, just, it's just been a whirlwind of a year between getting married and moving and offices and the team. I've had a few team setbacks. So anticipate that we're going to be close to 35 mil. Um, our goal was uh, 48, so I mean we're very far behind our goal. Um, we uh, are running extremely lean right now. There's only three of us that are actual agents and then one showing assistant um, for where we're at. So we're in the process of hiring um, two buyer's agents right now for the lead flow that we have, and then also a listing um a listing um, agent. Yeah, thank you. So, so what? So to date, where are you guys at? Units closed. So units closed. We have just right under a hundred. Right under hundred. And is there ever a day that you don't know where you're at with your numbers? No. So, so every single day. And why? Why is it important for you to track the numbers? 
Well, the numbers are the name of the game, you know? So knowing where we're at, knowing where I need to tweak and knowing, uh, and just knowing it, like it's, it's a business, right? So if you don't know your numbers, how do you know it's, what's the point? Um, the biggest thing for me too, is I, as a team, and you can relate to this, like as a team leader, like we have all the expenses, everything, regardless if they show up or not, right? Yeah. So being able to track, being able to know, being able to um, account for where our money is being spent, make any tweaks. We, I know the numbers from what we have in escrow to what's closing, everything. So there's a, uh, I think I've never been through bold, but I hear a lot of people say there's a bold law uh, from the bold class. What you focus on expands and that's absolutely right. When you, when you track your numbers, it gets you more clarity. Say, like, where do we got to make changes in your experience? Have you ever had a month where it was a lost month where you didn't have profit? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, in my career, for sure. Even this year, when I said I failed forward, we, um, I had, um, kick-ass January, February, and then my team, two of my buyer's agents quit. And it was just, I think it mind-effed everybody um, in the team a little bit. And so, and then you can't tell, they had their pipelines. You can't tell people that are working with an agent that, hey, sorry, they left our team. You can't work with that agent anymore. So they took a huge part of our pipeline. So it took a, it took a good month and a half to get things back cranking you know so the the lesson that I learned from that though on the fail forward like there's so many lessons I learned from that experience and I'm happy that it happened at this point in my career but the lesson was um constantly be recruiting and hiring because it wouldn't have been detrimental except where I didn't have anybody to take the lead flow you know um so that part was probably my number one takeaway from that experience Josh, Joshua Smith did an interview with my friend uh, AJ Mida a few, maybe a month or two ago. Did you see that interview? Do you ever watch any of his interviews? I, watch his, I actually just took his uh, 90 Day Mastery Bootcamp. I just finished. Oh, awesome. So in this interview, one of the things I thought was huge that, that Josh said was you get to a point where, okay, instead of finding another listing, it's like, okay, I got to find another agent, right? right. And I never come over to Keller Williams and I'm, and I'm back here in, in expansion mode again. And my mind's thinking bigger. I never even thought to even, okay, I got to recruit agents, right? I was always like kind of the, the almost Mike Ferry approach. I got to get another listing, got to get another listing. Gotta get another, and, and so it's cool to be around people like you. And uh, even like seeing Bear, I don't really know Bear that well in the office, but it seems like he's always got some new agents coming. Right. It's like, okay, so this is possible to, to go recruit. I just got to put the energy into it. How did you mentally handle uh, that shift? You know, you had obviously a loss in profits that month. How do you handle those types of situations mentally? Well, I know, I mean, I believe in my business model and I believe in our value proposition and I believe like um, in a hundred percent what we were doing, I just wasn't prepared with agents. Right. So it definitely gave me a little, I called a mind F, you know, it definitely gave me a little bit of a, oh my gosh, you know, but it just made me reevaluate of, okay, what shift do I need to make? Okay, I'm not going to make, I'm going to make sure I'm not in this predicament again, you know, and um, so it was, I, I really genuinely think it was a blessing, but at that time, I'm like watching my bank account. <laughs> I'm like, where are the closings? Oh, I yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that, that sucks when that happens. I remember... Uh, in 2013, I was, um, and this was when I had left Keller Williams in 2010, I went over to Key Realty, right? Stupid decision I've ever made. But one day they came up to me and said they were selling the office. And I was like, okay, I didn't want to go to the new office. It was uh, their neighbors that had bought it, ERA Skyline. I didn't really want that model. And that's when I made the decision, right? Like there, like, all right, I'm going. I'm just going to go to Travis's office. I, I met him. I thought he was awesome. When I made that move, I had nine contracts I didn't get paid on for like 90 days. And that was like the biggest mental F I've ever had. And I had a, you, met, you know, Abe Shreve, right? Yeah. And so he, he helped me a lot during that time frame because he had worked with that person and, and, and knew the difficulties I was going through. And he said, write the money off. Just forget about it because you're costing yourself so much opportunity, right? And I looked July and August of that year my prospecting hours were less than half than any other month I'd done that entire year. Cause I was so like trying to get the money I'd lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. 
So yeah, how so how do you recover quicker when we go through that? What do you do? Well, for me, I mean, I just was like, okay, spring, put it in perspective. Like, this is life. This is business. Like, you're not the only person this has happened to. We know that the model says usually two years of max on a buyer's agent, right? Like, make these shifts. It's fine. Get your ass to work. Like, take some of these buyer leads. Like, I hadn't worked with a buyer in God knows how long, you know? And so all of a sudden, and I, and I signed up, I literally saw Josh's, uh, a thing pop up and I, I watched a webinar he did really fast you know and I'm like I like this cat style like I just like him so I signed up for his mastery um, boot camp and a lot of it was on mindset and right then I so I just started taking the buyer leads to be honest with you and it was probably the best thing that happened for me on that because then I got myself back into knowing what my team was going through and seeing the process of what they needed to do and also realizing like hey, if you guys step it up, you could kill it. Because if I take it over for a month and all of a sudden sell 10 houses from these leads that are just our ISAs sending over, like where do we need a tweak so you guys can have the same success? So it was genuinely a good thing. But I just had to get out of my own head and be like, go to work, spring, make it happen. Like it's not the end of the world. And then recruit. And so I mean, I'm, I'm recruiting right now like a crazy woman. Um, but I think it's great. I don't think I would have. I think I got a little complacent with what was going on in my life and my team. So it's it's been a huge blessing. Uh, if you look at it so that way. mindset, that was one of the words that stuck out. Mindset is probably really important for you, even during that time period in all of your business. What are some of the things that you do to build a, a powerful mindset? What type of books are you reading? Yeah, so I don't necessarily read books. I listen to them only because I like to do it when I'm working out or in the car or whatnot, you know. Um, so we do a ton of that stuff. And then obviously um, I take a lot of classes. You know, I read a lot of business books. The books I'm reading right now is The Great Game of Business. Um, and mindset to me is huge. Like I'll, um, I try to work out. Um, I do I float. Um, I don't know if you've done that. Oh, you do that in South Ogden? Yeah, yeah, I get, just get, in, get out of my head. I take energy. I go to an energy worker once a month that um, I'm just really into. Like, you can create anything you want. Like, it's 100% up to you. Your life is your choice and what you make of it. And you know what, Colton, the reason that I know that is, um, and it's a super long story, but when I was 20, I was burning in the fire, and I was, thought I was dying. And the doctor came in, and I'm like, am I dying? Because the lady next to me was, um, she died, and all the sirens were going off, you know, like in the movies. And he said to me, he's like, no, little girl, it's your choice if you live or die. Life's a choice. And not, I know that sounds bad because people obviously don't choose to die, but it hit me. Like, that one thing has changed my whole life because I was like, it's a choice. Like, my life is a choice. Well, I haven't seen who I've married, I haven't, like, had kids, like, I remember thinking these things, and I'm, like, drugged out of my mind, um, on, like, all kinds of machines and stuff, and a week later, it was, like, boom, springs there, because I realized it was a choice, and so I look at every aspect of my life that way, going forward, of, like, I choose if I have a successful marriage, I choose if my career is where it's at, like, I am the only person who gets to choose where I'm in all aspects and so why not make it awesome you know and obviously we have those setbacks and don't get me wrong I have those days but then I try to snap myself out of it or I listen to something motivational because it's like okay spring you can either be abroad about this or in your own head or realize life is freaking awesome and rock it you know yeah it's funny the stories that our, our mind plays and when we just turn the story off and then okay go and write a new story how it just changes instantly. Right. Have you, have you ever been to the Millionaire Mind Experience or Mind Intensive? I haven't, no. Dude, you need to be there. Like, it will rock your world. One of the coolest experiences I've ever heard, like, been to. I think you'd enjoy it a lot. There's yeah. one in uh, November coming up. I'm going through their Quantum Leap program right now. Mm -hmm. Just got back from Train the Trainer. And so when I was in Los Angeles, there was, like, 350 people of 
like just blew my mind. Like I thought I was doing pretty good and being around like people like you and it's like, okay, you're doing some awesome stuff. And they get there and these guys are like running like 10 million, $15 million businesses. Or there was one dude, like a $700 million net worth. I was like, what the F, right? Yeah. And it just opens your mind to what you didn't know you didn't know. It's just right. like kind of a zap. So you should, you should check it out. I think you'd dig it. So what about as far as like a spiritual side? I know you said you're into energy and stuff like that. How big of a role does a spiritual realm play in your business and your life? So I am definitely not religious. Um, I don't affiliate with any religion personally. Um, but I am very much a spiritual person in the sense of that I believe in um, the universe, you know, and that um, – you, I've just put what you put out there is what you get, you know, I mean, I just, I believe that you can create anything you want and that it, and it transpires. Like I'm just a huge manifestation, you know, and everybody has their different ways of viewing that, you know, but I don't personally, like, I don't believe in organized religion, but teach their own. It's great. It just doesn't work for me. You know? So you believe in this concept that there's obviously like a source energy when you call it uh, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Right. And you can take an idea, a formless substance, and and believe it, take the right action, and then create it in your life, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I believe I've created every single aspect of what's happened. Like, you can create whatever you want, you know? Would you say that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks with agents that are hitting ceilings is they, they just don't believe in themselves or believe in the process? Or what, what do you think holds them back? Yeah, I think belief believing in themselves and then I think I think as you grow as a person um will change your business meaning like grow as a person as in getting yourself out there and expanding like taking the time and energy to work on yourself and surround yourself with people that are like like you said you're taking the time to go work on yourself you went to this class and all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh there's a whole nother world out there you know and so it, it comes down to mindset and then seeing and then believing in yourself and, and doing the work. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. You have to put yourself out there and be willing to fail and, and take away what you failed and have it be failing forward, like learning from your mistakes. And, and I would say the biggest thing is learn from your mistakes, pick up and move on. The quicker that you fail and pick up from it, great. You know, the more you're going to succeed. So what would you say is your biggest motivation, your biggest why? I mean, obviously you like nice stuff. You like traveling. I mean, that's all cool. But like, why do you go every day level 10 springs going to crush it? You know, I, I enjoy it. Like, I think my biggest why, obviously I love the financial security that it creates for myself and my family and my future. Um, I, I don't, I did have parents that were self-employed and we're all self-employed that like you I don't have a, I do have a 401k because I've created it, but I don't have like a retirement plan. So that if we don't create it, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I don't have a company that's like, here, you get this if you work here 20 years, you know? So I think the financial security and then I just love the drive of it. Like it's fun. It's fun to me and it's fun to help other people succeed. I love um, getting new agents that if, if they have the want and and will do the work, I love helping them get to where they want to go. That that probably is my number one, like, this is fun, you know. But so empow empowering those agents to take their drive and put in the right vehicle to get what they want. Yeah, I mean, think about, I mean, you didn't get, I'm sure somebody believed in you and gave you an opportunity and trained you a little bit, you know. And so I, and same with me, somebody believed in me and gave me an opportunity. And so I just love seeing and helping people. And I think that this world, the real estate world, I look at a new agent coming into the business and I think you're crazy not to join a team, like a good team. Like think about the opportunities you've given the agents that work for you, you know, and helping them and mentoring them. And so I just look at it as a fun opportunity to help everybody grow as well, you know. I remember when I was, I was probably like 24 or something, I ran into Joe Holden. You know Joe Holden? Yep. He basically said, hey, get out now while you can, because once you're in, you're in. You'll be stuck. <laughs> so it's just I always thought of that because it's like to get to like your level, to get to where you're at there, it wasn't just snap of the fingers. It yeah. was a lot of hard work. And I think, you know, on this these interviews, a lot of 
agents watching in will look and see spring or, or see some of these people on here and like it's like they just got it they just received it right and they miss all of the failures the failing forward you talked about that go into it so what would you say is the number one advice you would give to uh to spring back in 2002. um in 2002 i would probably just say seize the opportunity like in 2002 i did work on a team you know seize the opportunity learn everything and to constantly be learning and growing like and probably see a bigger picture um i think sometimes we get complacent in our lives like we were making great money and it was fun and i think if i could give the advice of expand your horizons because I would be a lot further if I knew now I knew then that there's this whole other world out there you know I, I look at what we could have done but how how much time do you focus on with your team and, and skill set as far as the skills develop as being an actual salesperson um so we do we focus a lot on it and we do a lot of um coaching like some of them have their own individual coaches that we pay for um, and then as well as like they all just did that boot camp. They're all going to bold. Um, we do a once a month theme in our four conversations team meeting, um, meaning like they have to master something. So this month is a buyer consult that every single person, including the admin team, has to master that buyer's consult and give it in team meeting, you know. Um, and so they're all practicing and, and videoing each other. So they... Um, can feel the being vulnerable in front of somebody, you know. So each each month we do a different mastering something. Awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate you being on the interview series today, Spring. You rocked it, and I like it because I've only had a couple. I had Sandra Ferguson on. You know, Sandra. She's in. Uh, she's a Keller Williams agent in. Uh, I think like Austin or Houston or somewhere. But I've only had one or two ladies on, so I love seeing that the ladies can make it happen too. Where can agents? contact you or send referrals to you or bug you how can they get in touch with you um, my email is spring at liveutah.com and you're in my marketplace actually so uh feel free to send her referrals that's okay you don't have to send them to me but um we, we appreciate you guys also just remember to check out fearlessagent.com and mojo selling solutions you go to mojosells.com and we'll talk to you guys soon see you next week Hey everyone, did you like this episode? Well, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. If you want free content and world-class training on inner game, real estate, and turning the impossible into possible and the invisible into visible, well, visit me at winningtheinnergame.com and enter your name and email to the winner circle. We'll see you there.